Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Today, we are presented with a parable which contains what I call an uncomfortable binary. We see these throughout the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels. We see them in the epistles written by Peter and Paul. We see them in the prophecies of the Old Testament. These binaries seem to split people into two categories, sinners and righteous, sons of light and sons of darkness, workers of truth, evildoers, in a word, good and bad. I call these binaries uncomfortable for two reasons. One is because we know that people are complex and it seems unfair to categorize people like that, just good and bad. The second reason I find this uncomfortable is that I'm afraid well over half the time that I may be in the bad category. So what do we make of this simplistic categorizing? The binary we find in today's gospel is of good wheat and bad weeds, or tares, or cockle, which I've discovered is a particular kind of weed. It's also a clam of some sort. These two categories of weeds and wheat are explained by Jesus himself just a few verses later in this same chapter. Jesus says, He who grows the good seed is he who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, himself, Jesus. The field is the world. And the good seed means the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evildoers and throw them into the furnace of fire. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. If that summation of the parable makes you uncomfortable, it's supposed to. I'm not going to say anything to lessen or soften the terrifying language of being thrown into the furnace of fire or weeping and teeth gnashing. These are realities that Jesus Christ himself is giving us. And though he's using imagery of things that we can picture to describe something that obviously we cannot really truly picture, you can be assured that whatever the reality is, it's not less horrific than the imagery he uses. Like I said, I'm not going to try to soften the point of this parable, which is to shock us into being awake, to awaken a healthy fear inside us, and I believe to make us ask this simple question, am I wheat? Or am I a weed? And then the follow-up question, how can I know? To find the answer to this question, we have to pay even closer attention to Jesus. And we have to listen more closely, listen to everything he's told us. And in our search for this answer, we come across other parables about the uncomfortable binary that Jesus has told. In Matthew 17, 17 through 19, we find the good tree, bad tree binary. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down 
and thrown into the fire. Sounds extremely similar to the wheat and the weeds. But in Luke chapter 13, verses 7 through 9, we hear of yet another bad tree that isn't producing good fruit. Listen to this. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he, the vineyard tender, answered him and said, Let it alone, sir, for this year also, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, we'll cut it down. What just happened in this parable that makes it different? Something extremely important. The bad tree, clearly on the side of the, you know, binary, on the bad side, it's given a chance to change. It may yet become a good tree. So what does it mean to be a good tree or a bad tree? What is the tree during that last year that it gets to absorb some nutrients and get rejuvenated to become productive? Is it a good tree or a bad tree during that time? But it turns out it's complicated. And because Jesus doesn't contradict himself, we can apply that same lesson to this parable about the wheat and the weeds. This seemingly simple binary apparently is also complicated. There's room for change here too. Listen to what St. Augustine says about this parable. Let the good be patient with the wicked and let those who do evil change their ways and become as the good. Correct your ways, he says, before the time of the harvest. This I say to the wicked, you who likewise are Christians. He's addressing a congregation sitting in front of him here. This I say to the tares, the weeds, for they are yet standing in the field, and it may be that they who today are tares may tomorrow become good wheat. The St. John Chrysostom says, Of the very tares, it is likely that many may change and become wheat. If, therefore, you root them up beforehand, you injure that which is to become wheat, slaying some in whom there is yet room for change and improvement. St. John also says this, What then if the tares should remain until the end? Then I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. He again reminds them of John's words, introducing him as judge. He says, So long as they stand by the wheat, we must spare them, for it is possible for them even to become wheat. But when they have departed, having profited nothing, then of necessity the inexorable punishment will overtake them. Punishment, St. John says, will surely overtake them if incurably diseased. In both St. Augustine and John Chrysostom, we hear of hope for the weeds to become wheat, but we also hear of the final finish line where once crossed, they will be revealed to be one of the two, and they will each go off to different fates. The binary only seems to be final at the end of things, at harvest time, and we don't know when that is. In the Orthodox Church, we don't speculate about that. The only safe thing that we can say about it is that it could be in the next moment. So how then do the tares become wheat? How do we know if we're heading wheatward or weedward? I'm afraid, once again, we're simply going to have to pay closer attention to everything that Jesus tells us in the Gospels, everything the Apostles tell us in the rest of the New Testament, and everything the Church tells us regarding how to live. Now, that's a lot of content, uh, and it requires a lifelong of studying but in a word, it's the word we 
open every liturgy with, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how to do it. That's how to change from tares to wheat. And if you're not doing those things, then you're not being wheat. I hate that it's that simple, but I'm afraid it is. I like things to be more complicated. Like, well, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's an in or an out. Maybe there's a shortcut here. Maybe there's a loophole. Now I'm afraid that's it. We have wheat and we have weeds. And everything that we hear from the saints and from the scriptures tells us that to become wheat instead of weeds, we have to live according to the summation that Jesus gives us. Love God, love neighbor. But before we move on to dig into the rest of the scriptures and, and the church's teachings, let's not leave today's parable just yet. Because there's a brief mention in Jesus' explanation of this parable of something that I think is important. He says that not only will evildoers be gathered up and thrown into the furnace of fire, but so too will all, quote, causes of evil. Causes of evil will be thrown into the fire. It's not just people, but sin itself, lies, disease, sickness, corruption, brokenness, evil. That will be destroyed in the fire. And this fire, as we learn from the letter to the Hebrews, is actually God himself. God will shake the earth and the heavens for, quote, the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. That's what we're trying to do here today. For our God is a consuming fire. And St. Peter says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. St. Peter was getting pretty metal at this point. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. St. Peter essentially wraps up for us what this parable is all about. God waits patiently for us to become wheat. But in the end, when that end finally arrives, he himself, the consuming fire, will burn away everything that isn't built to last in the new heavens and the new earth. What will that consuming fire do to us? Could it be that our own hearts and lives are much like the fields in the parable, filled with both wheat and weeds, good and bad? What if they're still like that at the time of the harvest when Christ returns or when we meet our death? What if there's so many weeds in our hearts that we ourselves are counted as weeds and are thrown into the middle of God's fiery presence? What happens to us at that point? Well, we're not told. We know that nothing not fitting for the kingdom will make it into the kingdom, that everything unworthy will be burned away and consumed and be destroyed. Is a human soul 
something like that that can be burned away and destroyed? Is a human soul something that is needing to be purged by that fire so that it can become, in the end, wheat? Jesus doesn't tell us. It's not there in the parable. All we are presented with is the possibility of either being ushered into the kingdom as a son of God so that we shine like him or to be exposed to a fire so torturous that weeping and gnashing of teeth is the only description of what it's like to meet it. I don't know what that will look like. I can only give disappointingly pragmatic advice here at the end. Try to root out as many weeds from your heart as possible here and now by praying daily, giving your time and money to help others, and by repenting of your sins regularly. That's it. That's the lesson. We'll have to wait and see what everything else looks like. I pray when we do see that, we're all prepared. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.